Well, here we go with the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. You know my voice by now, of course. I'm Eddie Cohn. I'm the host, the creator of the Spiritual Spiral. Wherever you are today, more than likely your home, whatever's going through your mind, whatever you're experiencing, I'm really thrilled that you're here. I've had immense support over the last couple weeks. For my podcast, I'm trying to make the best of this situation. I've moved all of my online yoga classes or my yoga classes online. I'm teaching now online YouTube live Tuesdays, Thursdays at 7 p.m., Wednesdays at 12 noon and Sundays, 4 o'clock, all Pacific Standard Time. Of course, we can also set up a one-on-one yoga session whenever you please or whenever you like. Anyway, back to my original point, just wherever you are. I'm hoping that you're finding this time at home to make, I hope you're making the best of this strange and chaotic situation because we're all going day by day. We're all dealing with this in a very unique way. And the podcast has been very cathartic for me. Writing has been cathartic. I'm reading more and I I have an amazing guest. I'm excited to tell you, Yancey Strickler, who was the co-founder of Kickstarter. Um, He's going to be joining me on my podcast this coming week. If you are looking for a book to read, I highly suggest that you check out Yancey's book. And it's it's really timely. It's called This Could Be Our Future. And one of his main premises is living in a world where profit isn't the main goal. And I know that sounds very utopian, Maybe that's just impossible, especially in this day and age, but it's something that I think about a lot in my day-to-day life, in my pursuits, and it's even made me question, especially now, if I'm going to have to change my, my format of my podcast. I mean, for the last year and a half, it's been free, and I'm wondering if I'm going to have to change that to making people pay, whether it's a dollar an episode, you know, maybe I'm going to publish 10 to 15 minutes of it for free. And then if you want to hear the rest, you're going to have to go to my website or Patreon. And I am curious, would you pay for this podcast? It's a dollar or $2. I mean, the reality is right now is that it feels like the only people that are benefiting from this crisis are Amazon grocery stores, and I guess Domino's Pizza. (laughs) It feels like Domino's Pizza, I guess, is going to be hiring 10,000 people because the demand for Domino's Pizza has been through the roof. You know, a lot of my podcast, and this is going to, this really relates a lot to what the theme of my show is about. You know, I think social media and technology has pinched the artist. It's almost impossible to make a living being a musician or an artist. More and more freelancers are losing their jobs as writers. It's why the New York Times and all these publications either close or let people go. And I don't think that's fair. And I'm not pulling the victim card here, but I want to live in a world where artists feel comfortable to take chances to pursue their dreams to go out on a ledge because they're so passionate about an idea that they're willing to take the risk.
Technology and social media, to me, has created a world where there is no more risk. Everything is being dumbed down. Even in Yancey's book, he talks about this idea of everything becoming the same. Movie studios aren't taking risks anymore. They're rehashing one sequel after another. Because, ultimately, profit is the number one goal. And I don't want to say that my podcast was prophetic or that I knew something like this was going to happen. But I think people in my circle get frustrated by my stance on tech and social media and how I felt as though it was creating more disruption, more isolation, more depression. But the facts are there. The statistics are there. People are primarily staring at their phone or numbing out on Netflix all day as opposed to having face-to-face conversations or actually listening to people. And it is creating this dystopian world that we live in. I wondered if, and I've even posed this question on my show, what is going to get people to wake up? And I've often said it's going to be tragedy, something terrible, calamitous is going to happen. And so we have that happening right now. The sad, thick irony here, though, is that we are in a day and age now where we are being forced to use technology even more. (laughs) And my screen time, it's, it's, it's funny, I'm glad that I finished my book. And I'm, I'm glad that I'm only working on commas and grammar right now because my brain is not the same. My brain right now is far different than it was six weeks ago where I rarely used technology and social media and I was in the midst of finishing my book or at least writing the, the, the words of my book as opposed to grammar. Now I, my screen time has shot up 25% because I'm promoting my yoga classes and it's the only way I'm communicating with people right now is either Instagram or FaceTime. And so I am living the world that I dreaded. (laughs) Firsthand, I am living that world and I'm not proud of it, but we collectively, I don't think have a choice. And what's so interesting to me is that Even though technology was moving at such a rapid rate, there were new apps, new developments. It felt every week. I still felt if you had discipline, if you had inner strength, you were able to isolate yourself or control your use of technology or be, um, what's the word? My friend Jen says this word all the time, intentional. Even my friend John says this. I felt like you could control yourself. And it's almost like Facebook and Instagram the last five years were running a test to see how easily manipulated we all could be. And they were, then they had a meeting and they said, oh, well, clearly this is easy. Look how easy we were able to get them to become manipulated. Look look how easily we were able to get them to trick them into using our platform all day long. And so they ran the experiment, it worked, and let's just make it even worse and have this pandemic come out 
And now we're going to get them really addicted to their phones. And even the ones who were able to somehow resist, well, don't worry, because we just came up with something that's going to get everybody addicted to their phone, everybody to look at their phone all day long. People, you know, it's insane what's happening right now. If you think about it, I'm guilty of it. I had to create an online yoga class. There is the demand for that. My students want it. And it's it actually makes me feel good to know that my students wanted this class. And it's great to know that I'm still in some weird sort of way connecting with my students. But it's really kind of fucked up what we've been what we have been forced to do. This is this is our way of life now. And even if I was apprehensive to embrace Instagram or technology, if you were apprehensive or you were intentional about it or able to resist the temptations, now we have, we literally have no choice. And if you don't, change right now and embrace tech, you're, you're out. I really believe that. I believe whatever, it's, it's crazy to think about, but whatever resistance you may have had to technology, if you hold on to that resistance, you're lost and you are going to, you're going to lose out. And that frightens the hell out of me right now. I mean, literally, I don't know how I did it, but within a day, I was one of the first people to get an online YouTube live yoga class going. And I know it's not perfect. I know the sound isn't great. I ordered a new microphone, but you got you to gotta move and shake right now and shift. And if you don't, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm concerned about that behavior because I felt as though even with technology's stronghold on our culture, there were still pockets where people like me, people like you, people like my friend Jen or Tony, the introverts, you could still manage, you could still navigate this world without technology and find some sanity in your day-to-day life. And I don't know if that's possible anymore. I think it's impossible. I don't think we have a choice. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but if you don't embrace these new technologies, Zoom and obviously Instagram and technology and YouTube Live and Facebook Live, I think you're out. One more thought before the next segment. I am a little concerned about Amazon. You know, I I don't know Bezos at all. Amazon is benefiting from this crisis. That scares me. And it's not that I don't love Amazon. Of course, I love the convenience of Amazon. I use Amazon. I just get worried when one company or one person has so much control or power. Even Facebook and Instagram have more power right now. And that that frightens me. Amazon has more power. Netflix has more power. All these companies that I have been weary of, and people think I'm crazy for having these negative thoughts or these 
doubtful thoughts. These companies that I've been weary of have even more power. I hope they're not abusing their power. I hope they're not getting manipulated right now. I hope that, I mean, the internet could literally break any moment because the usage of the internet is skyrocketing. And that's another concern of mine. This You can tell the podcast is slowly shifting towards a bit dystopian take and a worrisome take, but I am worried. I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know. You know, it was, I FaceTime with my friend Larissa yesterday and Brad and Jen. And of course it was great to see them, quote unquote, see them, but I'm concerned where this, this world is headed. I mean, I was already concerned before this whole pandemic happened because of the statistics I'm reading and the world I see around me of people looking down at their phone everywhere they go. Well, all of that behavior is only going to get worse. And then there's going to be more isolation, more depression, more anxiety, more loneliness. And on top of it, we are living in a world now where if it's not obvious to you, it's certainly obvious to me, it is survival of the fittest. It is Darwin at its best or at its worst. Those people out there that were able to put their phone down, and I like to consider myself one of them because I would reach out to people and see how they're doing, check in on them, especially people that are living alone, don't have a spouse or a roommate. I don't. I think that type of behavior of reaching out and checking in on people, I think that's going to slow down also because you need to look out for yourself right now. It's It's so apparent to me that you need to be more self-aware or selfish or think about yourself now more than ever because it seems to me that I don't know if the world has your best interests right now. I don't certainly trust the government has our best interests. I mean, they certainly throw out ideas and they want to make you feel like they have this under control. But maybe... As I've said before, maybe this was never in control. Maybe life isn't in control. Maybe we were never in control. We never had it. And this all is just prime example and 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 an emphasis that you and I aren't in control. And now we are forced to think about ourselves, survival of the fittest, and try to make the best of this crazy situation. this is the last segment. Um, you can tell I'm struggling with, with this and I'm apprehensive to share these thoughts. I'm not playing devil's advocate just to be devil's advocate. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't like to live in that world. I don't love to say that I don't, that I'm apprehensive to use Facebook and Instagram, but I don't love the person I am when I'm just staring at my phone, wasting time, because that disrupts my creative flow. It disrupts my day-to-day life. So I was never, well, that's not true. I think when Facebook and Instagram came out at first, I embraced them just like everybody else did. But then 
I started to realize how toxic and disruptive and addictive they were, which ultimately inspired my book, which ultimately inspired my podcast. And it's, it's inspired the way I live my life now, or at least I'm trying. But now that, of course, has been disrupted because of what's going on right now. So I, I don't bring up this perspective to annoy you, to change your mind, to be a, um, a conspiracy theorist. I am trying to promote free thinking. I'm trying to promote curiosity and to promote this idea of asking questions because I don't think we embrace that type of behavior anymore. It almost feels impossible. And it's especially impossible on Instagram and Facebook where people are just yelling at each other and, you know, Facebook and Instagram and and even, you know, Microsoft Teams are promoting DMs as quote unquote conversations, but those aren't conversations. So we live in a world where conversations aren't happening. They're not embraced. And if you think differently, then you're thought of as, you know, being a hater or crazy or a conspiracy theorist you may just get left out. And that's not my that's not my intention. That's not what I'm trying to create here. I'm not trying to, I don't have an agenda. Um, I don't have anything to sell, at least yet. You know, I, I mean, I'm hoping to sell my book in the later this year, but now that is obviously potentially going to be on the back burner because this is affecting every industry right now, uh, except for Amazon and Domino's Pizza. <laughs> I've just been curious as to how this whole situation has been handled by the media, by our culture. And I can't help but think the punishment doesn't fit the crime, the crime being the coronavirus. I would, I want a world where people, where I'm right. And I'm not saying this to be right, just to be right, but I'm hoping that I'm right because how wonderful would that be? And of course, I don't drive my car without a seatbelt. I don't, I mean, I trust the airlines hire pilots that have gone through extensive training. Pilots, I don't think, have an agenda other than they want to get you to point A to point B as safely as possible. But I'm having a hard time believing anything the media is saying right now because to me, it feels like there's an agenda behind it. I'm having a hard time trusting what China has to say because I think they have an agenda You know, it's odd to me that Wuhan, where this epidemic started, it's noted that biological weapons are manufactured there. And then it's odd to me that China is blaming the U.S. Army for what's happening. It is peculiar to me that this is all happening when Donald Trump, his approval rate was pretty high. The stock market was at an all-time high. And again, I consider myself a moderate. I like to think of myself as thinking objectively, not politically. But I had the sense that more than likely he was going to get reelected. The way things were going, I'm pretty sure he was going to get reelected. I didn't think Joe Biden was going to stop his next term. I think this is all peculiar. I think the timing is strange. And I don't think I'm being devil's advocate just for devil's advocate's sake. And I think at some point I'm going to have to stop talking in this way, because I know it's difficult for people to hear me communicate this way. But then I say to myself, maybe it's more important now to talk this way. I mean, do we just succumb to what's been handed down to us? 
they're saying stay six feet away from each other. But I've been to a couple restaurants last uh, the last couple days. The restaurant workers aren't staying six feet away. Are all the people that are putting things into boxes at Amazon, are they staying six feet away? I mean, there is a lot of hypocrisy here. Because I, I don't think the restaurant workers are staying six feet away. If the symptoms are often unknown or unseen or they're not felt, who's to say that all those people that are at Amazon right now, who's to say that they aren't actually carrying the illness? Who's to say the people that made your food last night aren't carriers? That's, I guess that's the thing. To me, the punishment doesn't fit the crime. You know, L.A., Gavin Newsom is saying 50% of Californians are going to get this virus. Enough time hasn't passed to get real statistics for him to come out and say that statistic to you. That stat does nothing but cause fear and anxiety. Again, there's nothing wrong with being precautionary. And I can understand closing concerts, not having people going to Coachella. I mean, obviously people are going to be shoulder to shoulder with one another, but I don't understand closing offices if you make sure people go in, you know, one at a time. Because clearly restaurants are not staying six feet away, and that's where we're getting our food. So isn't that kind of a bit hypocritical? Just I don't think we have all the facts. And I think the reaction, the shutting down, the extensive shutdown is... I just think it's pretty over I think it's pretty overreactive. And I'm not playing I'm not saying we don't need to be safe here, but it all seems a bit peculiar. There's an article in the New York Times is our fight against coronavirus worse than the disease. The data from South Korea where tracking the coronavirus has been by far the best to, best to date indicate that as much as 99% of active cases in the general population are mild and do not require specific medical treatment. The small percentage of cases that do require such services are highly concentrated among those aged 60 and older, and further so the older people are. Other things being equal, those over age 70 appear at three times the mortality risk as those aged 60 to 69, and those over age 80 at nearly twice the mortality risk of those ages 70 to 79. These conclusions are corroborated by the data from, from, from Wuhan, which show a higher death rate, but an almost identical dis- distribution. The higher death rate in China may be real, but is perhaps a result of less widespread testing. South Korea promptly and uniquely started testing the apparently healthy population at large, finding the mild and asymptomatic cases of COVID-19 other countries are overlooking. The experience of the Diamond Princess cruise ship, which houses a contained older population, proves the point. The death rate among that insular and uniformly exposed population is roughly 1%. We have to date fewer than 200 deaths from the coronavirus in the United States. I mean, this article is a couple days old, so the, the death toll in the United States is probably over 200 by now. But I, I don't mean to get so irate here. 
But to think that this shutdown has happened from 200 deaths, 200 deaths, that's it. And the world, our country at least I can speak for, but primarily the world has been pushed, moved without any resistance to a halt. There is no resistance to this. None. I'm not trying to be devil's advocate here. We have all just embraced this. We have to date fewer than 200 deaths from the coronavirus, a small data set from which to draw big, big conclusions. Still, it is entirely aligned with the data from other countries. The deaths have been mainly clustered among the elderly, those with significant chronic illnesses such as diabetes and heart disease. And then, the, of course, the irony is, is that Domino's has to hire 10,000 more people because more people are ordering pizza, which is obviously going to create more diabetes and heart disease. So perfect. The United States is setting themselves up to have more cases or more deaths because more people are ordering pizza. I mean, I'm trying to add a little bit of levity here, but okay, this is great. I'm going to keep reading this article because this is really good stuff. The clustering of complications and death from COVID-19 among the elderly and chronically ill suggests that we could achieve the crucial goals of social distancing by preferentially protecting the medically frail and those over age 60, and in particular those over 70 and 80. Why does this matter? Because I'm deeply concerned that the social, economic, and and public health consequences of this near-total meltdown of of normal life will be long-lasting, possibly graver than the direct toll of the virus itself. I mean, that's, that's my point. I, and I agree with, with the writer. We have gone so far beyond the middle ground of, of being safe that I don't know when we're going to come back from this. I don't know how it's possible. Maybe it'll be possible in 10 years. But people are going to become more freaked out by others, by human-to-human contact. People are going to be more engrossed in their phones and Zoom and technology and Microsoft Teams and DMs. And this is all because of a virus that has killed around 200 people in the United States in the last couple months. And then, of course, I don't want to get political here, but the Democratic pundits will say, well, that's because we were early or, or took all these measures yeah, but at what cost? We took all these measures, but then we're ruining the rest of our world right now. We're ruining the financial world, employment, retail, businesses, small business owners. And then again, people will say, well, we don't want what happened in Italy to happen to us. That's a really wonderful response that we hear all the time. And then to that, I will say, again, I'm not trying to be devil's advocate, but Italy had a recorded 10,100 confirmed cases of the coronavirus and 631 deaths. Well, according to a study at John Hopkins, um, they had 68,000 deaths in the winter months between 2013 and 14 and 16 and 17. This is likely due to the fact that Italy has an aging population and the elderly are more at risk. Again, I, we are reacting potentially to a country that may not have been 
primed or set up to handle this virus. Maybe just culturally they weren't in a position to recover as well as a country like ours. Would you have known that they had already 60,000 deaths to flu in the winter months between 13 and 14 and 16 and 17? So if the media would have reported all of those deaths a few years ago as microscopically as they are now, I get the sense that we probably would be freaking out and overreacting like we are right now, potentially. I just, I don't think we really are getting facts. I feel like we're losing. And I don't think we're losing to the virus. I think we're losing to the powers to be. And my last point before I let you go, I sent out a newsletter yesterday, and I think this is really interesting. I want to read just the first paragraph of what I wrote, and I want to read a response because I think it's really interesting. I have no idea what to say, no words that can express my up and down state of mind. I'm making it up as I go. One moment I feel stressed and angry and upset. The next moment I feel a sense of calm. I feel somewhat relaxed, and then all of a sudden I go back to anger, and I cannot help but wonder, how the fuck did this happen to us? I'm not pulling out the victim card. We've all been affected and victimized in some way by the pandemic that has ravaged our world. Then, of course, I cannot help but question the timing. Is this political? Is it media-driven? Is Amazon trying to attain even more control? Is China getting back at Trump? Maybe this is unlike any of the previous pandemics, except our nonstop 24-7 news cycle, coupled with our cultural addiction to tech, has made the reaction far greater than the actual pandemic. Maybe it is a true pandemic, and we should remain indoors. Who the heck knows? We may never know, and as frustrating as that sounds, we're all left trying to pick up the pieces. And I got a response, and I, I have to read this, because I think it's telling. And... My point here is that I think if you're not careful, you're just going to conform and believe what the media and the world wants you to believe. And again, this, is, this frustrates me about Instagram now because at the top of their page, stories, they have now, the very first story that shows up is stay home. So if you add the stay home icon to your post it will be moved to the front of the Instagram page, further manipulating and inspiring people to quote-unquote stay home. And again, I'm staying home. I'm not some renegade. Again, I think there are some precautionary measures that are important. I just question if we've gone a little too far. You know, seatbelts are great. Um, Curfews are great. The police are great. Not drinking and driving is great. But this cultural standstill lockdown that we've created, I think potentially is going to create such damage. The world that I've been worried about and talked about for the last year and a half that I feared is going to happen, I think just happened. And now we are forced to use technology and forced to embrace this world that we're in right now. So I kind of Got a little off point, but I want to re- read that response to my post or my newsletter. Whatever our insecurities and helplessness during this time, we need to stay inside and do our part to save the world. 
This is real, not imagined, and the media is not overplaying it. What they aren't doing is showing what I believe is the agony of getting this virus and dying from it. If they did show video of what's really going on, maybe I would shut the hell up and not question what's going on. And even his word choice of agony. I mean, there is agony every single day. And I recorded a podcast a couple weeks ago. The car crashes, heart disease, diabetes, life is filled with agony every single day. And I just question if this is that much different than the agony that we go through every single day. We're just numb to it all or we're so stuck in our phones that we don't see it. But now that we are in this situation, we've been forced into this situation and the media is just nonstop promoting the fear, the anxiety, the potential agony from this virus, we are on lockdown. I like to feel like I can question what's going on. I like to feel like I have a choice. And again, I'm not being naive. I'm not being stupid. I don't drive without a seatbelt. I don't go out in crowds right now. I'm staying home as much as I can other than maybe exercising. And I do see some positives here. I mean, there's no traffic. Air quality is going way, or the air quality is getting much better. I'm riding my bike outside, walking, reading more. There are positives here. I just think what's happening what we've been forced to do without real statistics. The closest we have to real statistics are what South Korea is giving us, and it feels like we're ignoring those statistics. Instead, we are paying to the potential statistics of what Gavin Newsom is telling us. What could happen, I mean, since when do we go to this standstill or lockdown based on what could happen? We get life insurance and car insurance and health insurance for what could happen. We do all, we wear seatbelts to protect ourselves from what could happen. I mean, there's so many examples. I guess my point is, is that have we gone a little too far based on what's happened so far and based on the statistics that South Korea is giving us? Because it seems to me they are the closest to what is real data right now. So that's it. I'm going to leave you with that. I'm so thankful for your support. More great conversations coming up. And again, as I said at the very beginning, would you would you pay for this podcast? How much would you pay? Because I might have to go down that road. And I would love to get your feedback. Would you support the show? Would you support it, you know, $5 a month? A dollar an episode? Or where you pick and choose which ones you want to listen to? As always, you can support my show right now by going to Apple, writing a review, sharing the show with friends. Um, You can support it at my Patreon, which is patreon.com backslash Eddie Cohn, which I may be using more of. Of course, you can go to Venmo at Eddie Cohn, send a donation there. Reach out to me on Instagram or Twitter at, at, at Eddie Cohn and say hello. Tell me what you think. And as always, thank you so much for listening and being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast.